Welcome to Harper Audio Presents. This is Caitlin Gehring with Harper Audio. I recently had the chance to sit down with three of our new adult authors. Cora Carmack, author of All Lined Up. In Texas, two things are cherished above all else. Football and gossip. My life has always been ruled by both. Jalen, author of Be With Me. Sweet tea was apparently going to be the death of me. Not because the amount of sugar could send you into a diabetic coma after one slurp, or because my brother had nearly caused a triple car pileup by winging his truck around in a sharp U-turn after receiving a text message that contained two words only. Sweet tea. And Jay Crownover, author of Nash, and Better When He's Bad, My fully restored Dodge Charger was eating up the highway as I raced through the cold Colorado night. The massive engine was growling angrily in time with my thundering heart and light flurries of snow dotting the windshield, so I could blame the rapid blinking of my eyes on trying to see through the nasty road conditions and not the emotion threatening to overtake me. Together we had a fun time talking about some of your favorite fictional men and, of course, talking about the growing genre of new adult. So just to kick it off so everybody can recognize your voices, why don't you introduce yourself and kind of just briefly tell a little bit about your books and what you write. Hi, my name is Cora Carmack, and I write new adult books. Um, They're romances. Uh, My first book, Losing It, um, is about a girl about to graduate college, and she's sort of feeling a little bit behind the times on life um, and behind the rest of her friends because she's still a virgin. Um, And... Uh, each of my books after that in the series, Faking It and Finding It, are spin-off companion novels. And they all sort of deal with um, themes that are common when you're in your 20s or you're in college or you're right outside of high school, trying to sort of figure out who you are, figure out how to stand on your own two feet in the world. And um, that's about it. My name is Jennifer L. Armentrout, also known as Jaylin. I write the Wait For You series. Uh, that's Wait For You and Be With Me and Stay With Me. It's definitely new adult. It has characters that are in college and out of college. It's on the we sexy side, just a tad. Um, but that's that's what I write. Uh, I'm Jay Crownover. I write the Marked Men series, and I write new adult from a perspective of what I wish my life had looked like when I was a new adult. So a lot of band dudes and tattooed dudes and just a good time all around. Your life totally looked like that. Don't lie. No, it didn't. <laughs> I was telling Jen that today. I was like, when I was 22, I was such a boring grown-up. I had a mortgage <laughs> and a car payment. Like, no way. <laughs> all right. Well, okay, so you guys have all written men that have swept listeners off their feet, myself included. Um, but here's a very important question. Who was your first fictional heartthrob? Like, forever? Like, in all books ever? If you had to pick one right now, who was the first one that just, like... Holden like, Caulfield from Catcher in the Rye. He was the first, like, rebel. Like, did his own thing. He was the best. The best. I was not expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even foresee that. Well, he was, like, drinking scotch and skipping school and, like, talking to prostitutes. Like, he was the first, like... He was, like, my kind of man. Yeah. <laughs> seriously, he was the first, like, like when I was little. Like, little. Like, 13. See, I didn't read that book until after high school, so... I was like, this guy is awesome. Like, he just gets to do what he wants. But he loved his sister and, like, you know. I fake read that. <laughs> I was like, nah. 
Mine would have to be Julian from the Forbidden Games, L.J. Smith. Old school YA. He was my first character I ever, like, totally fell in love with. And that, that series absolutely destroyed me. I was traumatized. I'm trying to think. It's hard for me to remember which books I read first. Because it was, like, once I... When I was really little, I read biographies, mostly. And then there was just, like... I read Harry Potter, and then all of a sudden I was just reading all of the fiction I could in my library. And so it's hard for me to remember the order that I read them in, but I think mine was probably um, Meg Cabot's The Mediator series. Jesse, that's his oh, name, right? The ghost. Yes. I think that that was probably, because everything I think I read before that was more um, like general like fiction, like fantasy or sci-fi stuff, and wasn't necessarily like a romance space, but I remember reading The Mediator series and reading like all six of those books insanely fast. <laughs> I was like, because my parents were teachers, and so I knew the librarian. I was like, just hold all them for me. Don't let anyone else check them out. They're mine. <laughs> and have you, you guys, of course, have now met your fans who are pretty much the same way about your boys. Like, Yeah, that's so, still weird. Uh, <laughs> a little awkward. Well, for me, it's weird because I, like, the first guy I wrote was not a guy that was mainstream attractive or, like, had the mainstream attitude of a romantic hero. Like, he was kind of a jerk through the first part of the book. But that's totally new adult mainstream. Well, yeah, yeah. But, you know, he's got a mohawk and he's like, got, you know, I mean, it wasn't what was common initially when he came out. Like, so I was really surprised by like how many like older ladies, like mm-hmm. ladies in their 50s and like late 40s are like, we just love Roll. We think he sounds so hot. <laughs> <laughs> what drew you to the genre? Like, what kind of brought you into the new adult writing romance? Was there a first book that you once read or like mine was there a story you just had to tell mine was just kind of to have fun um I was when I started writing losing it I was in the middle of getting my master's in creative writing and I was um in the middle of writing a YA magical realism thing that was really more on the literary side and I was like in the middle of it and stuck and really frustrated and I had um, a break between semesters and I was like okay I know I'm about to have to spend a whole nother semester on this other book so I just want to write something completely fun and I was um 24 at the time, I guess. And so I was kind of in that, like, I'd been out of college just long enough to be, to, like, really, really miss college and sort of the simplicity of it. And I missed, like, my friends because we were all sort of scattered all over the U.S. And so when I wrote Losing It, it was really just, um, I didn't, I, for, for the first time ever, I didn't plot, I didn't plan. I just started writing and I wrote exactly what I wanted to read. And, um, and I put lots of like inside jokes from my college days in there because I was like all nostalgic and reminiscent. <laughs> um, and so for me, it was just, I mean, it was really just to have fun. And I never expen- expected to finish the book. Um, I thought I would just kind of start writing it and then get that need like out of my system and then go back to what I had been writing um but then I wrote the entire book in three weeks and then kind of never like looked back (laughs) I'm still in the middle of that same book still haven't (laughs) finished it the one I was working on way back when um I've kind of my life got hijacked by romance which is fine it's a great thing to be hijacked by (laughs) uh for me I wrote YA and adult so new adult always seemed like the natural progression because I do feel that new adult genre has the best of YA and the best of adult kind of brought together and that's how you end up with new adult so it was a natural progression for me to be drawn to writing that I actually tried to write new adult back when I think it was St. Martin's Press announced that they were trying to do it and and everybody was like no (laughs) you can't do that and so it was it was funny because that was at least three four years ago maybe And they were like, no, no. And so then some of my YA books and some of my adult books were originally 
new adult ideas, but then I had to go either genre with them. So it was just a natural progression for me because I really do think that new adult has the best of both worlds. It still has all your firsts, but it has all this, you know, the more, uh, you don't have the safety net of a parents, you're out in the world, you're experiencing different things. So it's, it has the best of both worlds. So that's why I was drawn to writing it. I didn't know that's what I was doing. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I mean, that's just the age frame that the characters that I started with just happened to fall in. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I didn't realize, like, that was what it was classified was until I had done it. Like, then I was in it, and then that's what it kept getting called. It's a new adult book. And I was like, well, it makes sense, because they are, you know, new adults, and they are mm-hmm. just becoming adults and stuff. But, like, I didn't write it with that being the genre in mind. Like, I just wrote it because I said I was reliving my own 20s. I'm like, I really wish this is what my life had looked like. So I just, I, I fell into it, literally just fell into it. And I love it. There's way less rules. Like, we're not confined by, like, YA rules or contemporary romance rule. Like, you know, like, all three of us write such different things, but we're all in the same genre and under the same publisher. So it's awesome. Jalen, this is a question for you, and you guys are welcome to jump in if you have input, but one thing that I know personally as a new adult reader that I really enjoy is it kind of allows you to um, deal with harder issues that you don't see naturally in, like, romance as a genre or YA as a genre. For instance, you know, you have Avery, Avery was, she was raped, and she's a survivor, and we now have Teresa as well, and I'm kind of curious what got you writing about those issues? Well, and this is just my personal experience with it. This may be different for other authors, other agents, other publishers, but in to write about that kind of stuff in YA, it becomes almost like a trigger book. And, you know, a lot of when you're in YA genre and you're writing about very serious issues that are happening, people don't want to read that. Like they want to pretend that this isn't happening to our teenagers or they're not doing these things or not experiencing it. So sometimes you catch a lot of a brick wall almost with that. But it's like what Jay said. Or your books get pigeonholed. Or pigeonholed. You get pigeonholed into an issues author. Mm -hmm. Or you, and it's almost like in, in, you know, in YA2 that I found, this is just once again, just me. (laughs) It's my experience. Is if you address those issues, you can't have romance. You know, it's like you can't show that people can overcome this. Like if you, you know, some of the books I've read, it's mostly just centered truly on that issue. And romance is very, very back in the corner. Um, And you do kind of get pigeonholed and you also run the risk of being banned or being contested a lot. uh, Or what is that what they call it? Contested when they contest your book. Um, So I felt it with New Adult, like Jay said, there's no rules. You can do that, and you can show that these things have happened, and but their lives are moving on, and they're having healthy, normal, you know, lives even after something traumatic and, and stuff like that. So I do find that it's it's easier to address those issues um, than it is in the other genres because like there there's a lot more you have to take in consideration the age of the reader, you know, parents yeah. not wanting their kids to read something like that, which it comes down to, I think, a lot of it. I think a big part of it connects to that, um, the age range that is new adult, though, because if those things do happen to you as as a teenager, if that kind of, um, if you have a traumatic experience, uh, I mean, I know this from having, like, um, you know, I had a friend die when I was in high school. I really did not deal with it when I was in high school at all. Um, I just kind of, like, locked away, and it... And it didn't really, like, come out, and I didn't even, like, grieve for it until I was in my 20s and until I was trying to to figure out who I was and figured out that that was a key component of, 
of my personality and how I lived the life my life was how what happened to me when I was younger. And so I think it's a natural a natural thing that happens in your twenties because you're you're not you're lying to, to yourself anymore about everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I come from psychology background so that's one thing too if you notice in, in my books is the characters that do have you know issues these are things that happened in the past because psychologically there is a recovery period that you know that I, and that's just my psychology background it's like I have to give my characters that recovery period mm-hmm. so that they're not going from a traumatic event it doesn't have to be sexual assault it could be a, a death of a loved one or like a serious injury and they're not jumping right into a relationship afterwards because psychologically that's not you know, psychology was telling you not to do that. <laughs> um, but it's so I always like to have that gap so that you can see that the, the more raw edge of the event has left and they're beginning the healing portion of it. Yeah, so. And you kind of had that with Aiden as well. Like she had a really troubled family past and then she's finally coming to yeah. terms with it. Well, that's like the whole thing about like when, once you're away, like if you go away to college in a different state or you move out of your parents' house, like you know, all of a sudden, all the safety nets you've had in your life that, you know, like, like, my life was terrible because mom and dad, but then you're on your own and your life is still terrible, like, accountability has to play a part. You can't blame mommy or dad. Yeah, like, and that's her whole, like, that was the whole thing with, like, her character is, like, you can ignore it and try and pretend it never happened and, like, it wasn't a part of your life, but really, whatever we go through is who makes us who we are now, you know what I mean? So, like, that was a huge part of, like, what I was trying to convey with her, like, you know. And, you know, I gave her a very shaded past. Like, dudes aren't the only ones that made really bad decisions and slept around and, like, you know, did some really not healthy things when they were little. Like, girls did it, too. And they have to get over it and turn into respectable, responsible adults. (laughs) Respectable. Respectability. (laughs) I've heard of this word. (laughs) Um, Cora, you have this... Um, your first new novel coming out in a new series all mm-hmm. lined up. I do. And how has it been writing this first novel outside of losing it universe? It's it's both really scary and really exciting. Um, in the beginning, I was really ex- I was really excited to sort of to to jump ship and write something new. Because um, even though I mean I guess I only I've only been writing the losing it series for a little over a year, but um, I know it's crazy to like because we all. <laughs> Like, there's so many books out. It feels like I've been doing it forever. But I think that's part of it. When you write books so fast, um, time kind of feels like it expands. And even though I haven't spent that long with this series, it feels like I've been living with it forever just because I've spent so so much time with it in within a smaller time frame. And so I was really excited to jump to something something new. But at the same time, it's really scary because you've, you sort of know these characters and you know that fans... Um, like these characters and to leave that behind and move to something else it can be really scary like I there were moments where I wanted to backtrack and I was like no no I'll write a sequel to this I'll write more for this person I'm so scared um, but I'm really excited to move on and and the new series um, all end up it's, it's set in Texas um, it's about a football team and um, I grew up in Texas my dad was a football coach I dated football players so that's a, a world that's really familiar to me um, it's sort of I, I remember my childhood through the scope of Friday nights so um, so it's something, even though it was scary, it was also um, a really easy thing for me to jump into. Is there anything in, in particular that you're really enjoying as you're kind of branching out into this new world? or? Um, well, I mean, one thing that I, I, I was more conscious of this time, um, the Losing It series started in their, their senior year of college because I had just recently graduated college and I was sort of familiar with that set 
Um, and that's what I was going through was that set of issues of your 20s is that when you're about to graduate college and you're like, maybe I should go back to school because I'm scared there's no jobs, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, and so with this series, I've started my, um, my heroine is a freshman. And so I'm getting to sort of dive back into still new adult, but it's also different. It's a different set of challenges and it's a different mindset than, um, than losing it was in. And then also because of that, the other really exciting thing is... Um, uh, losing it, all my books were companion novels, and you got to sort of see bits and pieces of the other characters from the previous books. But because they graduated college and were off doing their thing, it was a little hard to to really have them like come in and out of the story. Whereas with the All Lined Up series, um, it's I mean it's her freshman year of college, and then all the other secondary characters um, are either um, also freshmen or sophomores or juniors, and so I've got those characters for like three or four more years of their college experience and so I get I'll get to keep coming back to them um, a little easier than it was in losing it series so that's one thing I'm excited about thanks and then Jay you also have a new series coming out yeah. <laughs> I'm not excited I'm terrified <laughs> I mean I'm excited but I'm very I'm very nervous about it more so not that it's so different than what I'm doing, but it's just so different in general. Like, it's, well, I'm just nervous to see what, <laughs> see what this, happens. Um, or it was last night. Last night, my mother texted me um, to say, she was like, I was looking for something to read, so I logged into your Kindle account, because my mom has my Kindle <laughs> password, and she was like, and I saw a version of All Lined Up that you emailed yourself. I hope you don't mind. I started reading it. And I was like, oh, no, Mom, it's okay. Sure, go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it is, it's scary. It's, if you have something that's done well for you, and you know it's been successful, it's a very scary to, like, you know, I'm sure you felt it, like, going from paranormal to, like, you know, regular, like, people that don't. Regular people. <laughs> they're not Greek gods or aliens. Yeah, like, I mean, it's. I think they're easier to write sometimes. Yeah, but I mean, isn't it, like, I mean, you know your paranormal's awesome and people love it. I get, I don't know, it's just, it's, yeah. Well, it's, I feel the same with Stay With Me. Because, like, with Jay, Stay With Me, which is the third book in the series, branches off. And it's out of college. I mean, it's the same characters, but college isn't the center mm -hmm. of the world. And, you know, there's more There was more of an... I, I do find that new adult tends to have more of an internal plot versus an external plot driving the story. Mm -hmm. And Stay With Me has, you know, it has definitely the internal plot, but it has a big external plot that's also moving the story along. And that makes me nervous because what you read now is pure internal conflict. There's, you know, there's not, things aren't really happening outside <laughs> of the little, you know, person and their little issues with one another. Do you like me? Do you know? <laughs> so, I mean, it's Check yes or no. Yes or no. <laughs> so I'm nervous because that is different introducing I think that into that I have been reading more new adult um that's like that like uh Molly McAdams forgiving lies and uh deceiving lies is like that and and I think Rome is like that because yeah, there is another yeah there's a plot that's totally unrelated you know to internal conflict that's chugging along so yeah the new well and you know the, the thing with the new series is it's going to be really I'm really interesting interested to see the feedback on the male hero because he's not a hero he's an anti-hero I mean a yeah. real anti-hero you know what I mean like this is not a guy that as we go along we're like well maybe if you know she tries harder or she just gives him her heart like he'll just be redeemed and like love is enough I mean he he does things for love that he realizes like he has to do to save the person that he cares about but like he is not 
a shiny, happy dude in a suit and tie walking kids to kindergarten at the end of the book by any stretch of the imagination. So there's, I'm just nervous. We'll see. <laughs> like, I love it. Don't get me wrong. And as I said, I said last night at the same, it is by far my favorite book that I have written. Like, it is my favorite creatively that I've done, but that doesn't mean much. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I'm kind of interested as, like, you're talking about, so... Bax, as you've revealed on your website, is the name of your new character. And oh, he's yeah. like this true anti-hero. And um, once, um, how, and like even with all your characters, like you always write from alternating first person points of view and they always have very sure voices. Like is there anything you do to really get into that voice or that space in your head and like let it flow? Well, the dude voice, the guy, whatever male character in whatever story I'm writing about is always louder than the girl until, like, the pivotal points in the story. Like, the guy, to me, is always guiding where everything is going until, like, the girl starts to impact what he's doing. And then I start to hear them both very clearly. But for every book I've written this far, like, because the, they're all pretty distinct. Like, Jet's really, like, softer and a musician. Like, and I know a lot of band dudes. So, like, you know, he doesn't come across, like, alpha, like, Rome, or, like, badass, like, rule. Like, because they all sound different in my head. Like, you know, soldiers are, like... Take, you know, take, take charge. Yeah, like they don't. <laughs> more yeah, and then yeah. like you know, arrogant dudes is slit or hot and like get a lot of action when they're twenty two and sound like rule. Like they don't care. Like they say what they want and like they just don't get a get. Except some. when they're our age, we're like get on my face. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So I don't know. Like I hear the dudes really clearly. I don't know what that says about my brain, but I in my adult in my YA I do do POV a lot and. um I find it easier to write the guy's POV because I, girls, when you're writing their POV, they tend to, you know, to internalize a lot of stuff. So you'll have, like, you know, the girl, the boy hurts the girl's feelings. So then you have, like, paragraph and paragraph of, like, <laughs> my life sucks. And, but, then when the, but when the guy, in my feels, right? And then when the guy's feelings are hurt, he's like, this sucks popcorn. <laughs> you know, and so it's like you just move right along. I mean, it doesn't mean that they're least impacted, but guys, I think are more action-driven. And I'm not running out there acting like a ninja action-driven, but they're more like, I'm going to do something about this, I, I feel, than a lot of times, you know, when I'm in the girl POV, it's like you really... It's probably <laughs> because I'm a girl, and I'm like, this is how I would act. My life's over. But um, I like the guy POV. I'm always happy when I get to do the guy POV. Yeah. Plus, they cuss more. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, F <laughs> Yeah. And see, guy POV scared the living crap out of me. <laughs> Jen, we just need to co-write a book, and you can have the guy. I don't have the girl. Yeah. Um, I mean, I write, I write the guy point of view books, and I and I do end up enjoying them, but um, but they do scare me. I just recently was thinking about. I decided against it, but I was thinking about the second book in my football series, the um, Rescue University series. I was thinking about doing it like the guy only point of view. Mostly that was because I was actually scared of the girl, and I was like, I'm a little not sure I want to write you yet. Um, but. Um, which is weird because normally it's the opposite, yeah. but um, but I decided against it because I decided the story needed both. But um, I was a little intimidated by it. Co-writing a book for me would be so weird because especially oh, if you were like the girl and I was the guy and like he was writing the sex scenes. Like, I'd be like, <laughs> I was writing the sex scenes with you. To me. Yeah, and I'd be like, this, this got you know a little awkward. Yeah. I love everything against about the wall. That. <laughs> That actually brings me to uh, one of my questions. What is the most awkward scene that you've ever had to write in in your new adult series or in your other, uh, in your YA or points? Like scene in general or sex scene? Scene in general. It could be the moment where a heroine or a hero like falls on their face. That's sort of <laughs> awkward. Or it could be just like, 
oh, people are going to read this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You write sex scenes knowing people are going to read it and hoping that they buy it because there's sex in it. So I don't know. I actively don't think about the people that are going to read it when I write my sex scenes because I know it'll be my mom. <laughs> and I'm like, nope, not thinking about it. I'm just not thinking about it. Um, I mean, I sort of, uh, awkward is what I do. <laughs> um, but losing it more so than any of the rest are, is very, very awkward. And that's because, um, I mean, part of that, a big part of that is, is because it was Bliss. Um, and I, I identify a lot with Bliss's voice. Um, hers probably still to this day the easiest voice for me to ever, like, step into. Um, but the the cat scene in in losing it that's my is, favorite scene in losing cat <laughs> the cat scene in losing it she's um she's about to sleep with this guy who's a total stranger for her and um, and she's doing it because she she's she's a virgin and she feels like she's behind the times and she has she thinks it's a problem she has to fix but then when she actually sort of gets gets down to the nitty gritty of it and there's this like man that she doesn't know in her apartment she um, starts to second guess herself and freaks out and um, in her abundant weirdness she can't make like a normal excuse or tell the truth she um sees this uh cat um cookie jar which i totally have it was my great grandmother's <laughs> like i have this like porcelain cat cookie jar and she's like cat uh, cats i i i have cats i have to go <laughs> and um she makes this terrible excuse about um having to pick up her cat from the 24-hour veterinarian and um yeah, that was both, like, the most awkward scene to write. One, it was the first sex scene I've ever written. Um, and even though they don't have sex, like, they get, like, close. And I was like, I don't, uh. And so that's probably one of the reasons it was so awkward is that was my reaction to it. I was like, I'm writing a sex scene. Oh, God, cats, fix it. I don't know. Throw everything. Oh, I just slapped the table. It's going to ruin this. Yeah, so I just, that was, that was me reacting to the awkwardness of writing my first sex scene. There you go. <laughs> I think um, I think the sex scenes. I mean, I think they're they're kind of I don't know. I, they're they're kind of awkward when you do think about someone's reading these because like when my friends and like read my books, they're just kind of like I feel like I don't know you at all. <laughs> like where do you come up with this stuff? And I'm just like what you know. <laughs> but I think probably the, the most awkward for me to write was in Be with Me is the scene where Cam kind of walks in on something (laughs) for those who don't know be with me is cam's little sister and cam's best friend so it's jason Teresa, um and it's it's funny because you know that's i I have an older brother and so it's kind of like imagining him walking in on something you know and just being like oh god and they weren't even really doing anything it just looked like they were and so of course cam was not happy with that but um and i think too um You know, the most awkward thing recently for me is because Teresa is named Tess in the book. That's Jace's nickname, so I get her constantly confused with Tessa, my editor. <laughs> so I call Tessa Teresa sometimes in emails, and then I'm calling, it's it, that is the and I'm like Tess, Tessa. I'm like, are you weirded out at all about this when she's reading Be with me because Tess is the nickname of the character, and I'm like, does that weird you out like a little bit? Like it's kind of you in there. I think the funniest thing about writing sex scenes in books is it goes to an editor. And an editor reads it and sends it back to you and gives you notes. It <laughs> says, maybe this should be happening or maybe this should be happening. And in my head, I think, I'm a grown-up. I know how sex works, but apparently I don't. <laughs> like, 
I was talking to... Like, where's the third arm coming from? Yeah, like, I was talking to, to Jen about it last night, and she's like, yeah, but then, I mean, thank God somebody notices. Like, you don't want to just put it out there and yeah. be like, his head couldn't be there, and, like, his arms... It's, it's not logistically possible. Yeah. Does anyone else... Okay, it might just be me, but when I... I'm paranoid about that kind of stuff, um... And so whenever I'm writing a book, like, if there's a moment where I'm unsure, I have to, like, put my computer aside and, like, really, like, no, I I was it, and I'm like, how does, yeah, I was, telling I was like, does that this, last night. Yeah. like, or especially it's the, for me, it's usually, um, like, how do I say this, um, like, changing like when you're moving from one <laughs> thing to another and um, I'm always like how what's the best way to, <laughs> to that's do what that? I was telling Jay last night that sometimes you find yourself like thinking it step by step the scene like you're like okay does this but what I also find hard is using different words during a scene. oh yeah it's like there's only so many words <laughs> that you feel comfortable using in the sex unless you, you're slipping straight into erotica at that point but I have like, like a list of words that I won't use and so there are moments when I'm writing and I'm like this list of words. <laughs> we'll talk about it later um, and mostly they yeah. mostly they involve the fact that my mom and my sisters read my books I and I just can't, there are certain words I can't, like, cross over into, and, but as I'm writing, I have a lot of difficulty avoiding those words, so sometimes when I'm writing my first drafts, I just don't avoid them, and then I have, like, the terrible, like, moment in edits where I'm like, how do I get rid of you? <laughs> you Nipple little... turns into peak, because <laughs> yeah, that's what it looks like. <laughs> I sent Nash's manuscript into Amanda, my editor, and she's like, you realize this is the first of the Marked Men book where the two main characters kiss? And that kissing doesn't automatically lead into them hooking up, which I didn't realize. Like, I don't have, like, kissing, like, big, long, like, kissing, touchy feel. Like, every time my characters, like, get intimate, like, they just get intimate. And I was like, that's crazy. How did, like, I never even thought of that. Like, I don't have, like. You were, like, foreplay. I get foreplay. It's foreplay. <laughs> I was like, wow. I was like, yeah, I guess I, I would suck at dating. <laughs> or I'd be the best No, you're ever. the best. The guys, they love that. They're like, we kiss, we get it down. Um. So, on to a actually slightly different topic. <laughs> <laughs> like, so do you want to like, talk about sex some more? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but where do you guys kind of see new adult as a genre going? Like, we, when we saw YA bloom, it, like, sprouted into all these different subgenres. Do you see something? That's what I'm hoping for, because I do feel like new adult is kind of a bubble right now. And it's a bubble of straight... Rom- contemporary romance and you're seeing a little bit of pushing to, towards you know there are books that have a romantic suspense angle there are books that have you know a, a thriller angle so I'm hoping we're going to see more of that because I do think for a new adult to be around five years from now and to be what it is today and to be like the next YA the next adult contemporary whatever it has to bridge out from that bubble um, and, and, the, and so there's a couple big books coming out that are you know in, in this next year that are bridging and you know Janine uh, Frost's um, new adult paranormal is one of them so you know it's like almost you feel like you have to watch that book like with a hawk's eye like praying mm. that it does well because that's going to hopefully open the door to more because I think there's there's only so many ways that you can tell the same story in some aspects or the same version so and I do think like you know not to talk about like 
I'm not going to talk about sex again, but I do feel that there is there is new adult erotica out there, and there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. And there's new adult, or already there's new adult erotica, and I think people are afraid to label it what it is. It's erotica. It's okay. There are 20 year olds getting it on like monkeys. I mean, it's all right. <laughs> you know, that doesn't that doesn't hurt anything. And then there's then there's just regular contemporary romance. And but I think right now what we're only seeing is those two things. But we're starting to see some of the stretching out, like with Molly's books, um, they're more, I think I would consider them romantic suspense. Um, so hopefully we continue to see that for it to really be a Agreed. genre that will I think stick. the thing that just makes um, new adults hard to predict is is timing. Um, mm-hmm. Because it it's this little sort of category that sort of bloomed very quickly out of nowhere. And um, because of that, and, and more books, I mean, I, I can't say statistics or anything because I don't know, but I'm willing to bet that, like, that we have more books in this category that I, I think it's, like, the fastest something's ever grown and there are so many books coming out so oh quickly. Gosh, every day. Um, that I think it's, it's unprecedented, I think, in any other category or genre that's come before it. And so um, I think we got to this point where we're saturated far faster than anyone necessarily expected. And so it's hard to predict what a normal, like, like normally we would think a growth would gradually expand out into other genres and it would like, and it would be okay for it to sort of take its time and amble. But um, because everything sort of happened so fast, um, it's a little hard, like this just kind of exploded and it didn't sort of expand along the way. Um, And so we're hoping it will expand, but right now it's just like this slow trickle of of other books that are starting to come out that are in other genres and things like that. and I just, I don't know, it's hard to predict whether or not those things will you explode in the same one way. Book. Yeah, you, you just, just need, need one, one book. book. I say that all the time. Because there are, I mean, there are, there are new adults like paranormal trend. and sci-fi yeah. out there. Most of them are still self-published at this point. Mm-hmm. But um, they're out there and some of them do fine. And, and and a lot of them are just sort of coasting under the radar right now. And I think all it takes is just one book just one. To, to burst out. And then all of those other books that are already out, I think will sort of buoy off of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just it's hard to guess when that that first book will well, come I do out. Think that's and whether readers, or not it will come in time is the other thing. Well, yeah, and I do yeah. think readers, though, I mean, I see reviews. I talk to bloggers and reviewers a lot. They're looking for those books. Mm-hmm. That is what they want. They want something different. And, you know, and that's hopefully it gets provided to them in time. And it's not going to be something. But we don't want to take a, you know, paranormal's not in right now. Well, you know, eventually paranormal is going to come back in because that's the way the reading yeah. cycles. And mm-hmm. and don't get behind the trend, get at the trend or be the trend kind yeah. of thing. Um, but you can tell a lot of readers are looking for, they want something else. It may not have to be a true romantic suspense, but they want that little mm-hmm. taste of something else along the The other thing that. that's hard is a lot of the, the new adult paranormal or sci-fi that's out there right now, um, a lot of it is YA books that have, that didn't sell, that have been adjusted to be oh. new adults. And I think readers can tell that. I think they can read a book. Or the adults that can, are adjusted down yeah. to new adult. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think readers can tell that. They can read a book and they can tell that it's not authentically or genuinely the voice of an A. Uh, and so I think, yeah, it's just right book, right time. Just waiting for that. Hope happens soon. Yeah. Well, and actually your comment about, like, self-publishing brings me to another question. Um, all of you guys have had experience in self-publishing remembering correctly right mm-hmm. okay so would you um let's just talk a little about how you see the differences between self-publishing traditional and publishing and even fan fiction 
I think the indie community will be the ones that will change the trend again. Mm-hmm. Um, they are the trendsetters because they don't have to wait six months to a year to get something out there. They're very fast when they see that market changing, they adapt to it. And they're already seeing that market changing. I've had yeah. conversations like, heads up, it's changing again. Um, and they're very they're very fast on that. So I do think the, 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 the indie community can make that shift a lot quicker. It's about time. That same thing that I was talking about, yeah. the reason that New Adult could grow so quickly so fast is because um, so much of it was through self-publishing, which happens at such a faster rate. And um, traditional publishing is doing a lot to catch up, well, specifically on the New Adult and the romance side. Uh, I mean, they're putting out books faster than I remember them ever putting them out. Um, <laughs> Jessie, our publicist over here, is shaking her head, yes. Oh, my gosh, um, yeah, the new like, contracts are, they, like, three months. I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and, um, I mean, I know specifically with my own experiences, is um, when Losing It got picked up after it was self-pubbed and then um, about three weeks to a month later is when it was p- picked up. And um, and they got um, the print edition of Losing It out incredibly fast. Like originally I think it was going to come out in June and then they moved it up like June of this year of 20, or well, of last year, 2013. And then they moved it up to May and then they like fast forwarded it all the way to like February. Um, and to this day, I mean, I've talked to, I meet lots of indie authors and a lots of it, like indie turned traditional authors. And I don't think anyone's put anything out faster than Harper put out Losing It. So high five. Woo. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I think time is, is a big part of it, and I think Jen's right, specifically where new adult is concerned, I think the next big um, trends or changes that we see are probably going to come through indie yeah. first, just because by the time... I think it's already started. Oh yeah, yeah. I think there are there are pros and cons to both. Um, I mean, the, the great thing about traditional is having like a team behind you, and you're not going it alone. Um, it's a lot more organized than... Um, necessarily indie is I mean I know a lot of indie authors who are like they don't set a release date until like until the book is already like done and they're ready and then they're like I'm putting it out in three weeks okay go whereas you know we have our like release dates and our due dates set far in advance um, which is great for someone like me who is not like organized (laughs) it's good for me to have these like deadlines and things um well, I do think with traditional publishing and indie, with it's creating obviously the hybrid author who does back and forth to both, and I do think it's it's creating like a very um, symbiotic relationship where it's it's like this is how I always feel. Every author is going to write a book that their publisher at some point is not going to want. I mean, they're just going to say this is not the right time. <coughs> new adult, <laughs> for example. I mean, every of the big new adult authors were turned down by publishers at some point. And, you know, then they, instead of shelving that book, they said, I'm going to put that book out there and see, see what's happened. So I do think there's a very symbiotic relationship, and there can be um, in terms of that. So I do, yeah, I do think working together. Here's the thing. I, if people had not come to me, like, I would never have gotten a traditional public, like, I don't know how to do it. And I had a full-time job, and I was busy, and my life was crazy. Like, I personally would have never, and like, figured out how to write a query letter and send it out to people. I never would have tried to figure out how to, like, get in touch with, like, like HarperCollins. I mean, I, I did not have that knowledge, that know-how, or the drive to do any of that stuff. So if it hadn't come to me, like, I mean, I can't be the only person out there that wanted to just write a book and see what would happen. You know what I mean? So, like, indie publishing serves its purpose. Some people prefer that 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 freedom and that ability to sort of control their own career, and they're fine going it alone. Other yeah. people, you know, work better with a team behind them. Yeah, I mean, it's just, like I said, it's so funny. I see all the different stuff on the Internet, like 
the, like, the outrage from one versus the other, and one's harder than the other. It's so silly to me. Like, whatever works for you works for you. Just do it. Do what you want. Speaking of hard, hard things, or maybe this is something very easy for you guys. Um, all of you guys write in the same universe, or, or you're branching out into new universes slash series. How, what has that been like, just writing multiple romances, multiple characters, multiple um, fans, and just seeing it all in the same universe? I think it's really fun because... You know, when people read a book, they always, a lot of readers get attached to a couple. So, like with Cam and Avery, a lot of people attach to Cam and Avery and they want to see more Cam and Avery. But I don't want to write a full book because, you know, as I explained to people, if I give them a full book, I have to take away their happily ending. You know, there has to be some sort of conflict. So, when you write a series that's in the same world, is you get to keep giving those fans a taste of the, the previous couples. So, you get to check in on them. They're in the scenes. You, still, you see them still together. And as the series progresses, you see them, you know, hopefully getting engaged, getting married, you know, having children. Um, so, I think it's, it's fun. That's one of the things I really love about doing a series romance with different couples is because I like to bring in the existing couples and... And you can still see them having, you know, there's they become real, I think, to readers at that point. It's like a soap opera or like yeah. a sitcom. You're seeing the different secondary, you know, your primary characters became your secondary characters. And um, I think readers really enjoy that. And I know I enjoy writing it because, you you know, you fall for your characters sometimes a little. And you like to bring them into a scene, even if it's only for a couple of lines. And, yeah. Yeah, and so. I love how, too, like, I don't know if you guys are this way, but... Um, before I even, like, I, I just finished writing All Lined Up, which is about um, Dallas and Carson. But even, like, as I was just starting that book, I could not wait to write the second book in the series, which is about a secondary character named Silas. I was like, I can't. Can I write that book right now? Can I push pause on this one and write this one first? Because I, I just loved him so much as a secondary character, and I have all these thoughts in my head about him that I, I just couldn't wait to write to write for him you guys do that too mine are I mean mine are so tied together like I mine from the first book to where I am now like they're all just so interwoven together like they're you know you can't pull my world apart they're all just dating each other or living with each other or related to each other or working together like they're all just so locked together that I couldn't write the next story without all of the other characters previously which has been really hard going into the new like like, Nash's story, because nobody had met Saint. Like, nobody knows anything about her. So that's been really hard, like, trying to introduce these new girls that weren't already part of the series. Like, I don't know what to do with them. Like, I don't know what to do with these strangers. <laughs> See, like, the Losing It series, I mean, they're still connected, but they're very easy to read alone. Like, you, you can pick them up in any order, and it doesn't really matter. Um, I mean, you'll get slight, like, if you read Losing It last, there will be things that you've been spoiled for, but for the most part, it doesn't really matter. Uh, because all of mine, um, I mean, like I said, they graduate college, and they are, they're all off in, like, different parts of the world doing their own thing, and the love interests are entirely, like, people you've never met in each book. Um, and so mine are, even though they're connected, they're very easy to sort of pull and read from any point, um, which is very different from what I'm working on right now with the, the football series. It'll be different. All right. So I'm just going to kind of wrap up with a couple last questions. Um, what has been the best moment since you guys have become authors? And what has been the hardest part of being about an author? I guess I'll go first. <laughs> you can rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Like, it's all... I haven't had, like, a bad experience. Like, it's all been great. But, like, meeting other authors, like, that you admire and stuff. Like, when I... 
I told Jen when I first met her, I like I don't get intimidated very easy. Like I'm loud and I don't really care too much. But I super was like, I don't know what to say to her. And if she's not nice, I'm never gonna go anywhere again. And like you know, when I met her, she's so cool. And like you know, and then you meet Cora and like just everybody's been like writer people are awesome. Book people in general, like readers are awesome. So you know that's always super fun. And you know, I mean the hardest thing is always getting critiqued and negative feedback and like people hating what you're doing and like my brain not understand like you can hate it but like I need a logical reason like that's my whole like you're not like anything I do but it has to make sense to me why you don't like it which you know isn't reality but in my head it is <laughs> um I mean we're we're both just gonna fangirl over Jen for a second <laughs> um, <laughs> I I still remember, um, so there were a lot, lots of, <laughs> there were lots of great, great moments that I've had so far. And like, like Jay said, there hasn't really been a bad, a bad moment. Um, but through it all, I mean, I, there were like great moments. Like when I found out I made the New York Times for the first time, which was also the day I signed with my agent. Um, when I got the offer from HarperCollins, when I accepted, those were all great moments. But I think I screamed more when <laughs> Jennifer Armantrout DM'd me on Twitter <laughs> And asked me to blurb a new adult book that she was writing, and I flipped out because Jen didn't know, but um, Cora's a pen name, and um, I'm a blogger. I was a blogger in real life. Who I talk to all the time. <laughs> yeah. Mind but you. I was a blogger, I and, was like... um, and like we, I had, I had been like reviewing Jen's books since her very first book with a small indie publisher, and like she was, uh, she was just like my like autobi author. Like I loved all of those things, and so she didn't know that it was that it was me, like blogger me, and she thought it was just like a completely different person and then when I told her she like freaked out and I think to this day that was still like the craziest moment and I've had a couple more of those like just when I mean when authors you admire like read your books and you're like holy crap you read my book uh, and you freak out um but yeah that was probably the best moment bad moments I don't I don't know that they're I mean there are there are moments that are like disappointing but um even those are through like I mean, you're seeing them through a rose-colored glass because it's not like I can yeah. complain. It's still fantastic. Yeah. And even, like, the worst moments that I've had um, since since I've entered sort of the publishing world still are probably better than most of, like, the good moments in my life before this. Is that sad? No. Sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, no, I do. I think I think the, any kind of bad moments or things that you internally have done to yourself um, I think with writing, you put a lot of expectations on yourself, and it's mm-hmm. it's you know how much you're going to write a day, how many books you're going to write this you know year, it's, hell sometimes this month, you know it's so that I think that's when that the only ever negative thing in my career is getting to a point where I realized I had to really readjust like what I was expecting for myself because I had took taken something that was my dream and turned it into a job that I was beginning not to like mm-hmm. um, because just the pressure of you know having to write so much all the time but even then that's something internally because you everything else that would be considered negative is just honestly it's par for course I mean it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's the nature of the industry um, I think the best moments there's too much to really pick from I mean everything is has, has you know every great moment has been really great I think the, the best moments um, ever I think are when someone from way far away contacts you mm-hmm. like from a country that you know that you just never you don't even have any of. concept of where yeah. it is yes. on a map <laughs> you're like I don't know and I think what it was was way for you was the prime example because in it the characters are 
learning the Eastern European map, so they come up with a song. That I think we call it the Croatia song in the thing. <laughs> and it was just funny because I realized one day that all those countries in almost with an IA. So that's how we did the map in the book. And then I had someone from that country contact me who was reading Way For You. <laughs> and they were like, I didn't even think people knew we existed. <laughs> and that was like a moment. I'm like, someone in Croatia is reading my book? I like, what? And so I think that's always, it's just that's the amazing when you realize that you're just like, you know, you're this one little entity. Of course, you have the publishers and everything behind you. But you're the, this one little person the in yeah. West Virginia or something. And someone in Croatia yeah, is like I know. I had a fan um, after faking it uh, where Kate and Max, I like lovingly call them golden boy and angry girl. And I had um, a fan from the Philippines like make like a little like a drew a little comic book page of, like, the adventures of, like, angry uh, golden boy and angry girl, and I was like, what? And I just cried. And then I had another fan, um, I can't remember, it was from another, like, um, like somewhere in Asia, um, sent me a picture of, um, at school, on the, like, uh, chalkboard, like, the old, like, green chalkboards, they had, like, written all their favorite quotes from losing it off this, like, giant chalkboard and sent me a picture, and I was just like, what? <laughs> My quotes in chalk and <laughs> halfway across the world. All right, and last question. Who's your current favorite TV crush? Mm. I don't know. I don't like, they always die. Like, I love <laughs> Homeland. I love Damian Lewis. Like, I love him. They just, well, don't. Mm. If you watch Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> I love Jobby Lee Miller on Elementary. Oh I goodness, love him a fantastic. million. Yeah, I don't, like, really watch, like, the, yeah, like, the, you know, like the Vampire Diaries. Johnny Lee Miller, he was in Cackers, right? Yeah, he was. He married Angelina Jolie. Jolie, I'll say he's so, Angelina Jolie. He's beautiful. He was sick boy in Train Spotting. Yeah, I, like I love him. him. <laughs> he's got like that pretty bad boy face. He's awesome. And he's super tattooed in real life. Which I'm, they show off. Yeah. I mean, I totally love Ian Somerhalder in Vampire Who doesn't? I mean, come on. He's really. Um, but. His eyes. Also, I mean. I mean, I, and I think this is another, like, um, I'm on the bandwagon along with every other woman in the world, um, but Benedict Cumberbatch, hello. I am not on that bandwagon. You're not on that bandwagon. I'm down that street. Yeah. I'm not even in a phone booth. I'm, like, you know, so far removed. But his accent. We, yeah. We yeah. know I have a thing for British accents, guys. Well. It's a thing. Well. <laughs> I have I can't just have one I have three TV um, is Daryl Dixon from The Walking Dead who in of outside course. of a zombie apocalypse would not the redneck would not be attractive oh. but like when people are trying to eat you the redneck is like awesome because he can go out there and get you some squirrel for dinner and I swear like and like out of four seasons like he was a better parent figure than any of the yeah. other parents on the entire show so it's like and you love him the right? yeah and the Boondock Sakes so and then second TV crush right now <laughs> Realized. Yeah, he's also in Blade, Blade Two. I haven't seen that. Um, <laughs> but the second would be the Property Brothers and HTV. Oh, yeah. I'm like obsessed with them. Now. Do they count as one or is that? I don't know. I'll take you to one. They're tall. Um, she totally yes. gets my vote with that because yeah. they're tall. And <laughs> movie crush right now is Theo James, and it's not just because of Divergent. When people call him Form, like his name's Theo James. <laughs> um, I always loved him in um, Underworld: The Awakening. Did and you then see him he comes to Abbey. No, I don't watch that either. <laughs> He's in he's for the like one, one who, episode. He's the one who, for one episode. He died in Mary's bed in Downton yeah. Abbey. But um, when he popped back up as four, I remembered him, and he's just you know he's grown like aged since in his lips. Um, <laughs> and stay with me. The character is 
modeled after Theo James to a level that is creepy and might end in a restraining order. But, like, if you know who Theo James is, when you read, when you meet the character, it's like, you know, immediately, I mean, I described it to a T. I even, there is a Theo James Tumblr page where they, I think it's called He Gives Good Brow or something, eyebrows. And I even put in there, it's like, He Gives Good Brow. <laughs> so it's like, and I have to, like, in the back thank the Tumblr page. But it's like, if you, like, if you follow me on the internet, you know I'm obsessed with Theo James. So it's like, <laughs> a little creepy. All right. Well, thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Harper Audio Presents, a podcast from HarperCollins Publishers. Available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. Today we spoke with Cora Carmack, author of All Lined Up, narrated by Justice Boulding and Dan Bittner. Available now. Jay Lynn, author of Be With Me, narrated by Sophie Eastlake. Available now. And Jay Crownover, author of Nash, narrated by Paula Costello and Tad Branson, which is available now. And Better When He Is Bad, narrated by Leland King and Mia Barron, available on June 17th. We hope you will join us again. Thank you for listening.